Welcome to the Family Nonsense Podcast, providing personal finance for families. Join Rich and James, who debate, relate, and make sense of the financial nonsense. All right, Rich, in today's episode, let's talk about avoiding financial marketing scams. There's a lot of good out there. There's a lot of bad. Help us out and and kind of divide what's the good, what's the bad, and how we should kind of avoid these schemes that are out there and possible bad influences on our finances. Yeah, I mean, it is a good topic. And all this stuff is in your face all the time, right? Especially with TikTok now, it's like, I mean, I follow a lot of financial influencers on TikTok and you scroll through and um, everybody makes it sound so easy and so great. And oh, you want to retire retire at age 28? This is all you got to do. And uh, (laughs) fortunately, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, But even nowadays, you have celebrities who chime in and they start promoting different products. So you really have to take a step back again, like with everything else, it all starts with education. Never just trust what somebody else is doing, even if they make it sound easy or whatever it is. Um, it's just not that easy. So never just blindly trust what somebody else is doing and throw money at it because you think that you could get rich off of it. I mean, crypto, which we could talk about a little bit more in this, um, you know, rings comes to mind when we discuss these things. But yeah. um, but it's always buyer beware. You know, like if you hear everybody talking about how great an investment vehicle is at any given moment, then odds are you're too late to the party, right? By the time you go ahead and you drop money in there and you invest in it, you know, it's probably the tippy top of the run that it's been on and you're probably going to get burned. So you just have to be very careful when taking advice from people, you know, on TV, on TikTok, um, on YouTube, listening to how other people got rich. It's just not that easy or else we'd all... It'll be millions. It's very tempting. It's very tempting, man. I, sometimes you, I feel personally like a fool. Like when, when I see other people doing it and I'm like, oh, I should just invest. Or one of my favorite celebrities is talking about it. I'm like, oh, I should just pull the trigger. But like what you're saying, it, it's it's not always, you know, it's it's not as good as, as, as it appears. Yeah. And, you know, for most people, and I'm included in this, the way that you learn that lesson is by getting burned, you know, is by buying <laughs> something and getting your ass handed to you and then being like, ah, you know, it's, <laughs> I shouldn't have listened to whoever that person is. And it's not just celebrities and TikTok influencers. I mean, I remember back in the dot com bubble, you know, there's the whole joke that you get a taxi in New York City and your taxi drivers, you know, talking about buying Amazon or buying, you know, the next uh, tech stock or whatever. And, you know, if yeah. the taxi driver's talking about it, if he's pitching, if your Uber driver's pitching you on an investment, then you're too late to the game. You know, the party's about to end. And, um, and we've seen that recently with investments, right? Like crypto, for example, where, um, and I'm a fan of crypto. Like I believe in Bitcoin, I believe in crypto. But with all these things, it's like you have to invest in these types of investments, like eyes wide open and understanding the risks that there is a very high probability that you might lose all of your money. So you cannot take, you know, 50% of your savings or your net worth and invest it in something speculative like this. It has to be a very small portion of your yeah. overall portfolio, your overall portfolio. And that's another reason why diversification is so key. But, you know, stocks, bonds, putting together a nice asset allocation, real estate, like those things, they make up a majority of my investment portfolio. And then I have a speculative piece where I will take flyers on things on maybe, you know, not penny stocks, but maybe, you know, very high growth stocks that could go to zero or crypto um, or other types of investments where, you know, coins, things like that, where... um, NFTs, where it's just very speculative. And if you lose all of your money, it's not going to dramatically change your life. You just have to be very aware of all of these different types of things. 
I, you know, I, I, I want so badly to fall for some of these, these schemes that are out there and I, I just want to get rich overnight and, and just, you know, but I, I, I've kind of scaled it back and, you know, I've made some mistakes already. And what I really realize is what my goal is financial peace. So what's going to give me peace. It's not really about the money. Sometimes the, the money will give me, you know, the peace, but I don't want to be stressing out investing into these, you know, high risk, you know, cryptos and NFTs and, you know, certain celebrity endorsed things. Um, so what's going to kind of give me the peace of mind that I need, I can sleep at night, I don't have to babysit my investments and, and, and wake up and check my phone, or all of a sudden there's a news flash. And, you know, possibly I lost my portfolio. And then I have to tell my family, you know, daddy, you know, <laughs> messed up our retirement and your future. So I don't really want to be responsible for that. So I always, I'm now kind of going into a, a kind of a, a way of a, a thought when it comes to investing is there's the crock pot method, which is slow and, and um, you know, just kind of, you know, just a slow paced investment. And then there's the microwave investment, which is fast paced. And what food tastes better? You know, it's the slow cooked, you know, the slow cooker, not the microwave method. So, um, yes, you can get the result you want, you know, within a day if you make the right investment and you pull out real quick. And, and, and but there's a there's a good chance that you're going to get burned in the microwave. So um, that, that's just kind of, you know, I would just stress to slow down and have just a slow methodical you know, approach to investing and don't worry about what the celebs are saying. They're getting paid for it. So remember that, you know, they're getting paid to say it. They're supporting that dialogue that, they, that they're reading, you know, for, uh, for the commercial. So um, are they investing? I don't know. Do they really support it? I don't know. They like the gig. So, you know, just be aware of that. Yeah, no doubt. So if you want to take a step back and you want to build wealth over the long term, there is a true and track method that has happened, you know, that we've seen over and over again, where it's you make more money than you spend, you take the difference, you invest that difference in different asset classes that grow over time, you're consistently adding to those investments, be it real estate, even through a primary residence, or be it through the stock market through 401ks or IRAs, Roth IRAs, brokerage accounts, um, and you're continually building those over time. And as long as you're not carrying any debt and you're always spending below the money that you're pulling in, you will build wealth over time. Yes, is it slow? I mean, it's slower than if you want to become a crypto millionaire overnight, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to retire in five years if you stick to that, unless your income is extremely high, right? But it's proven to live a more relaxing, stress-free type of life if you have no debt. And if you're always making more than what you're spending, then you're not stressed out month to month. And the wealth, it does build over time through the effects of compounding. Like I invest in real estate. That could be very speculative. And there are a thousand different ways you could invest in real estate. And you could get burned doing that. So you have to be very educated on it, on how you're doing it. Um, but I do look at that as a piece of my overall asset allocation. And with that too, you know, I like to buy and hold. It's not, I'm not going to get rich overnight. I'm not flipping houses. You know, it's long-term rentals and taking advantage of markets. Like I've even sold a couple of properties over the last year with this insane housing market that we're in. So it's being strategic. It's always looking at the long-term game, having a plan in place. 
you know, and not making these huge bets with your net worth on one specific thing just because it's hot right now. Because it's like, you know, hot potatoes. Like if you get stuck holding it, you're going to get burned and you could get wiped out. Like I read so many things, even on Twitter, you know, they have like these crypto confession um, Twitter account that I follow where it's just people talking about how they had all their money and, you know, stable coins that nobody ever thought would disappear. And then all of a sudden your net worth is gone overnight yeah. because something you know that you just could never dream of happening it actually happened so you just have to be very careful um like i, I remember back when i was working in a bank in 2005 2006 people were investing in penny stocks and getting rich and even i made the mistake of listening to a hot tip that somebody gave me about a penny stock and um, you know i had extra money in the bank and i threw like five grand into it, it might have even been a little bit more than that. i think it was like seven thousand bucks and it went from seven to 10. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm making all this money. And it went from 10 to zero, like in the blink of an eye, you know, and I learned my lesson. It's like these pump and dump schemes. You just have to be very careful. And the people that are pitching these products, they're usually making more money from pitching the products, you know, than they are on the actual products themselves. Yeah, exactly. you know, they create a following. They, um, they have a business. They create a business of selling the dream. You know, even you see it now through products with like life insurance, you have to be very careful when investing in life insurance. Like not to say that there's not a place for permanent life insurance, but the people that are selling you on the dream of this, they make a lot of money selling the products and that's where they're getting paid. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get rich. They, they prey on you. They, they, yeah. they prey on a lot of people, a lot of families for sure. Exactly. And I'll, I'll even, uh, I have a good story about that is, um, so my wife's the teacher and, um, you know, the, the, um, the company that she works for, whatever the, the district, they uh, they have like a like a recommended you know financial company that they kind of set you up with and, and you uh, have a meeting with them and you discuss your financials on how you can best prepare for your finance your your financial future. So we did that and they kept trying to push products on us and we were we just wanted to know about you know maxing out uh, your Roth IRA, um, your four hundred one k stuff like that, and they kept saying that that's a bad thing to do. And, you know, here's this life insurance product. You know, if you die, you know, you get, you know, this amount of money. But I'm like, but we die, and, you know, I'm going to be rich after I die. So it's, it's like they're trying to shove this product down your throat. And at the time, we were very uneducated. And, you know, I was a little bit more savvier than my wife. And she was starting to feel like, you know, it's a good, it's a good, you know, product or is something like a, like a FOMO that we should kind of, you know, uh, be enticed by. And, you know, we had to just step back after the meeting and just kind of just like audit, you know, what we were just hearing, you know, that the Roth IRA is bad, 401k is bad, like building wealth that way is bad. But this product was some magical solution that I really never heard of before. And the, the kicker is, is that the company that we worked for or like, you know, what she worked for was the one recommending this. They're not at fault for that. They didn't know that a product was going to get shoved down our throat. But we are more inclined to work with that company and to uh, to take take ownership of that product and, and uh, you know, invest in that product because it was recommended from a source that's employing us. So it just felt like it was safe. But still, you know, it's very predatory on, you know, how they how, how they you know get their foot in the door and they get these audiences, you know, for, for the companies and they meet with all these employees, but they're shoving, you know, bad products down your throat. And really could hurt your finances. And if we didn't, you know, if I didn't educate myself enough, I would have been preyed on, and I would have been, you know, investing into these products, and they would have made more money than I did. And and it's just uh, just something to be keep in mind that, you know, there's intentions behind a lot of people that you speak with, and you have to 
separate the good people from the bad. There's a lot of good people, but there's a lot of bad people. And if you can really have your, your spidey senses when it comes to identifying who is good and who is bad and who really understands and, and asks about your finances, asks about, you know, your, your mortgage, your, your kids, and really has a bird's eye view of your financial life and then can consult that, you know, that's probably going to be a good person. If it's someone who did not ask, like they did not ask if I paid off my house, did not ask if I have any debt, they just shoved this product in my face. It made me feel guilty for not having it. So just right. be careful, you know, with that. So, yeah, I mean, now you're speaking my language. So like I've been in financial services for over 20 years and I've gone through a bunch of different companies and I've learned a lot through those years and everything that I learned, I worked for insurance companies, I worked for banks, for brokerages. Um, and all of that led me to make the decision to go out on my own and start my own financial planning firm where I had no conflicts of interest, right? So if you're ever gonna take financial advice from somebody, you wanna know how they get paid, right? Like that individual, the way that they made money was selling you life insurance. So how can you trust anything else they say? Because you know, for them, it's all about selling that life insurance product. Um, so the only tool they have is a hammer, right? So everything looks like a nail to them. And what they're going to do is they're just going to shove that life insurance policy down your throat and make it sound like it's the best thing in the world. It's the best way to save for retirement. And I'm very familiar with the 403B marketplace, like the school district marketplace, because I've worked in it for years and I work with a lot of teachers. And it's crazy because in a lot of these public schools, the schools have a recommended list of vendors and a lot of them are insurance companies and they have reps that they feel comfortable with and they come into the schools and they meet with teachers and they sit down with them and they try to sell them products. So you have to be very careful because it sounds like they're endorsed yeah. by the school, but at the end of the day, they're salespeople just trying to sell you products that are very high cost and especially the life insurance stuff. Like how can you sell somebody a, a whole life insurance policy when you know nothing about them or about their family or how much debt you have? You know, in a lot of cases, people prey on the uneducated. They get them to sign up for these policies. Oh, and a year later, the people that have these policies, they're like, I can't afford this anymore. This monthly payment is too big. And they end up canceling it. And then they lost all of that money because they have surrender charges or they just haven't even gotten back to break even on the whole life insurance policy yet where they walk away, you know, losing that money that they were putting in there um, because it was just the absolute wrong product to save. So anytime you're taking advice from somebody, you know, the main questions you want to ask, are you a fiduciary? Right. So that's a very important question. And how do you get paid? So when you're a fiduciary, that means you're legally obligated to put the client's interest above anything else. And just because you're a fiduciary, that doesn't mean that you should trust them 100%. You still want to know how exactly yeah. you get paid. You know, with the things that you're recommending to me, do you get paid more for one than the other, depending on what I choose? Because no matter how, you know, how real and how true we try to be, money does motivate people, right? So even if I'm acting as a fiduciary and I have different options for you, um, like for example, just a very quick one, like if I'm managing money for somebody and I'm a fiduciary and I charge them a percentage of the money that I manage and say somebody has a million bucks, right? And I'm charging them $10,000 a year to manage that money. And maybe that person wants to pay off their mortgage where if they go ahead and they take that money out of my management, even though I'm being a fiduciary, if they take that money out of my management and they pay down their mortgage, now I'm not managing it anymore. I'm not collecting the fee on that anymore. So even in that case, you still have to be careful because I wouldn't want that to taint my recommendation if somebody really wanted to pay down their mortgage. But at the end of the day, I would make less money if they go ahead and they take that money and they pay down the mortgage because I'm not getting paid on it anymore. So no matter what the circumstances, you just have to understand how people are getting paid and what it looks at. Like even in my own practice, like I've started charging hourly where I just give advice. 
you know, no managing money, no, uh, you know, conflict of interest. I'm just giving advice and helping people. And, you know, you pay me hourly for the advice that I'm giving. So at least you could trust that anything that I say is in your best interest. You just always have to be very careful about those things, because if people are slinging products, then even though the person who's selling it, they might think it's the best product in the world. You have to understand that that's how they get paid is by selling you that product. So no matter what your rebuttal is or whatever it is, they're going to make you feel like you need it. You're missing out on it. You you need to go ahead and buy it. And at the end of the day, that's how they feed their family. That's how they make money. So you have to understand that going into it. Not saying all products are bad, but you just need to know exactly what their motive is when they're selling this product and talk to different people, get different opinions about it about it yeah you know a lot of times when you have these meetings with some of these reps you're going into the lion's den and it's just like a car salesman a car smell a car salesman is not going to recommend a bike right Right. they're going to recommend their product while you're there so just be aware of that you know and some of them are good but just understand it ask the questions like rich is saying educate yourself don't pay the stupid tax avoid it you know the if you go in there uneducated and you're shy about asking questions and it's human nature to be shy about asking these things. How do you get paid all that stuff? It could be, it could feel intrusive, but you owe it to yourself because once you select this product, you're never going to hear from them again. They're gone and you're stuck with the decision you made. And so are your kids for the future that you've made for your finances. So be very aware of that. Um, Another, another thing that uh, people are just having issues with, or particularly me, I'm having a, a challenge with, and that's why I even want to bring this up to you, is there's just always like high like rates, I'm sorry, there's always high um, investment fees, and like fees could be very high, and you know, especially now when you're throwing, say you throw $5,000 in, into an account, and it's because the stock market sucks right now, it becomes 4,500, right? So I'm already down 500 and then all of a sudden there's fees involved and you know, it really is very defeating. It's stopping a lot of people from investing because not only are we getting hit with the psychology of losing money instantly, but we're also getting fees on top of that. And you know, we're, we're it, it's, it's like a termite eating away at our finances. So Rich, how could families avoid some of these high finance fees and how could they identify ways that there's just low cost in investing and they can kind of move forward confidently? Yeah. So it kind of all comes down to what your goals are and what you want to do. So like there are so many options now where if you want to have what's called a self-directed type of account, right? Like say you want to open up a Roth IRA or a brokerage account, you could do it, you know, with no transaction costs these days through Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, and you could go and go ahead and invest in very low cost index funds, right? So an index fund, they have what's called an expense ratio or a mutual fund, right? And that's the fee for owning that fund. And if an, if a fund is managed, like let's say you buy a mutual fund from J.P. Morgan Chase, it might have a one and a quarter percent expense ratio. So that means you're paying one and a quarter percent for that fund. Where if you choose like a Vanguard index fund, it might be very small. It might be five basis points, which is like 0.05%, which makes a very huge difference, right? One percent over yeah. time could turn into tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. So that's just one fee we're talking about. That's just the expense ratio on funds. 
Then beyond that, if you're working with a financial advisor, you want to understand how they get paid, right? So you might be paying them. You could pay them hourly, like I mentioned before. You could pay them in assets under management fee where they're managing your portfolio for you and they're charging you maybe 1% as well. So now you're paying the manager 1% or your financial advisor 1%. You're paying for the expense ratio of whatever funds they're choosing, right? If they're choosing individual stocks, then there's not a fee associated with that. There's not an expense ratio. You're just paying the financial advisor fee. But I guess the point of all this is that there could be a lot of different fees going on. And you as the consumer, yeah. you just need to understand what they are. Like in the 403B market, when you open up a 403B with an insurance company for a teacher, you might be paying two and a half percent. And it doesn't even show anywhere. It's like you have to be an investigator to figure out what it is. If you have a hundred grand in a 403B account with one of these big insurance companies, you could be paying $2,500 a year and you don't even know it, right? It doesn't show anywhere. You have no clue that they're even taking that money out, right? So there's all these different fees that uh, that could be in there. And then there are products that are even sneakier where they really show no fees whatsoever. So like whole life insurance, it's like you're buying that policy, it doesn't show that there are fees being taken out. It's all baked in to the return of the product and to how it all works, right? So you have like um, the cost of insurance fees. There are many different fees that are underneath the hood of these products, but you just don't really see them going on. If you buy annuities, annuities could have very high expenses, but they're just hidden very well where you just don't really see it and you don't understand how it works. Um, again, not saying all these products are bad, but you just want to understand what you're paying and the value that you're getting for it. Like there are some annuities that are great where if you're going into retirement and you want a fixed lifetime income like social security, right? If you could have social security and you could have a lifetime annuity and the combination of the two of those covers your monthly expenses, it's like, all right, great. That's like my pension for the rest of my yeah. life. I know that I'm going to have this money coming in every month. So I'm a fan of annuities if you choose the right one. If you choose one that doesn't have all these crazy you know, fees and they're so complex that nobody in the world can understand how they work and with all these different you know, riders and these income benefits and these guarantees where even the rep themselves that's selling it to you, they don't understand how it works. You want to stay away from those because they typically usually cost like two and a half to three percent of the account value year in and year out. So it's hard, you know, and for just a normal person, like they're not going to understand all of this stuff. So yeah. the first thing you need to do is just stop. Like, don't take the sales pitch. Don't buy whatever the hell they're selling you. Take a step back and talk to as many people as you can and educate yourself before you jump into any of these things. But people want to trust, you know, and the salespeople, you know, the, the financial advisors out there, they're all very, you know, well-versed on this and they understand how to talk to people to make it sound great. So you just, you just want to know what you're getting into, you know, I mean, I am a financial advisor, so I'm not trying to bash financial advisors throughout all of this. You know, I'm just saying you want them to be as transparent as possible. You want to know how they get paid. You want to know what the fees are. You want to see what it all is. Um, just so you have a good understanding. And then you got people out there that are not financial advisors that are just endorsing stuff. So even on TikTok on YouTube, you see these people who, you know, they call themselves like financial coaches. They're not, you know, registered or they're not licensed or anything. They're not really true financial advisors. Yeah. They're not like CFPs or anything like that, but they're out there selling, you know, like infinite banking, you know, which is a way to save money through whole life insurance. Um, or they're out selling these different financial products. Then you see celebrities like, you know, Matt Damon, who, you know, basically went out and endorsed like crypto.com, like right at the oh, yeah. of everything. You know, it's like you see him on TV talking about buying crypto. And it's like, if you listen to him, you know, you're down somewhere around 70% on your crypto yeah. purchases, right? And if you're one of those people who took all of your money and dumped it in there, then it's like, you really just got the crap beaten out of you. So yeah. you want to be very careful. Right. That stuff. You'll notice that next year, crypto.com won't have the budget for Matt Damon. They'll have like Jared from Subway because right. the, the crypto budget is not going to be the same. You won't be seeing them in football commercials. 
uh, anymore, um, you know, because they're going to have a re very reduced budget. Right now, a lot of the crypto advertising you're seeing is from past commitments that they've made. So you'll kind of see now that crypto is going to be a little bit more skimpy when it comes to the way they promote, because um, they were very robust before, uh, but they're going to lose a lot of their marketing budget. Um, yeah, like Rich was saying, you got you to be careful with the fees, because if you're expecting an 8% return and there's that 2% termite fee that's eating away, you're going to get a 6% return now. So, you know, sometimes the fees can eat away your success. And, you know, and if you're already losing, say, the first two, three years, you know, you're going to be, say, getting a 15% loss, and then you're going to get fees on top of that loss. So it's going to be very defeating. It's going to make you, you know, really kind of feel pain the next time you invest as well. So, you want to just you know do, do some research try to find something light on fees or if it is higher on fees you need to know and understand and you need to have that justified you don't need somebody else to justify it for you if you still feel pain when they're justifying it and you still don't get it you need to step back maybe talk to somebody else do your research and try to avoid you know doing something that could be possibly uh you know preying on you so just be careful with that yeah, I mean, and the, you know, I hate how the fees are always shown, especially in the investment management world, as a percentage of the account value. Because one percent, it just doesn't sound like much. It's like, all right, you know, I'm paying a one percent fee. Where if you put it in dollar amounts, it makes people stop and think about it a little bit. And again, I'm not saying it's bad to have an advisor manage your account for one percent if you need the help. If you need a financial advisor and they're doing financial planning and they're helping you navigate all of this stuff where they're a fiduciary and they're working with you, you know, on your entire financial plan. I'm not saying it's bad to hire them, but just understand the value that you're getting and how much it costs. Like if you have a two hundred thousand dollar account. And you have an advisor that charges 1%, that's $2,000 a year. So look at it like I'm paying this person $2,000 a year to provide me financial advice, to manage my investments, to make me feel better about everything, to talk me off the cliff when I want to sell everything, when the market's you know down in the dumps, then they're very much worth that $2,000 fee, right? But if all they did was sell you a product, they're getting paid 2,000 bucks on it, you never hear from them again, they do nothing for you, then you got a question, yeah. you know, is it, is, am I getting value for that? Is it worth you know the 2,000 bucks that I'm paying them every year um, to help me with that stuff. So you just want to compare the value to the fee that you're paying. And is it worth it? Am I getting, you know, the bang for my buck by, um, by working with this individual? Cool. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. So I, I guess the best way is how could people just get started on like, what's the best advice you have to just totally avoid these scams? How, how have you been able to just block these, you know, scams out? Yeah. So I take the approach of less is more, right? And if you do, if you do feel like you're missing out on things, if you have FOMO for crypto, I mean, crypto, nobody has FOMO right now because it's been getting killed, right? But just a year ago or whatever, back in November, there was a lot of FOMO going on with crypto. And if you're feeling it with any of these things, just tread lightly. You know, if you want to commit 5% of your investable assets to something very speculative like that, then that's fine. At least it's not going to wipe you out. Like I've made many mistakes throughout my life. I've lost money in crypto. I had a whole life policy at one point in my life. I lost money on penny stocks, like I told you about. Like I've made all the mistakes that I'm telling people they shouldn't make, you know? So usually you learn by messing things up yourself and getting burned. Um, 
Um, but just don't commit all of your money to these things. Don't do it to the point where it could completely crush you. You know, for the other stuff, stay away from products. You don't need products, right? So you can put together a nice investment portfolio that's very low cost for the long term. You can do it through one fund, through like a total stock market index fund, where you get access to the entire market at a very low cost through your retirement accounts and IRAs. I mean, that's a good approach. For real estate, it's hard because people feel like they have missed out on real estate. Like prices might be coming down now, but if you want to invest in real estate, just tread lightly. Like start with one property, do a ton of research, a ton of homework on it, and don't bet your life on becoming wealthy in real estate. Just start slowly with any of these things and talk to as many people as you can. So my best advice is keep things simple, right? It works over the long period of time. And if you want to go into these more complex type of investments like real estate, just start slowly. Don't bet your life on it and get very educated. Talk to experts about it. Don't be afraid to pay people for their time, right? If you pay people for their advice and their time, that is much better than paying people for a product that they're selling because then you just don't know what their motive really is behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah, D definitely. You know, for sure. It's, it's a slower process. You have to take your time, educate yourself. Don't try to get rich overnight. That is, you know, just because as quick as you're going to get there is as quick as you're going to be broke. So always try to avoid that. Avoid people that are, you know, flashy, that brag, they got the nice boats, the flashy houses, the stack of money with the women in the background. That's just entertainment. And, um, you know, and try to find someone or, you know, an advisor that you can trust, you know, that you're going to be consuming their content. They're building trust with you over time. They don't, you don't just like one opinion. You like, you know, 60 minutes of their conversation and, and you really, you know, fall, it really falls in line with your values and you can make an educated decision based off that. So that's really just going to set you up for success. And, you know, it's just, and one thing is just because you've avoided one scam, doesn't mean there's there's tons right behind you um to, i'm sure as soon as you log in on your phone there'll be some type of you know way to make money and stuff like that so it's going to be constantly coming it's going to be coming in ways of new technology your kids are going to be you know enticed by this stuff so protect them as well um but you know be street smart when it comes to that because you know it's it's you know it's just like anything else it's like it's people act like this is like fake money sometimes and, and and debt is you know all these debts are so cool and fast way to, to wealth it's it's not you know the pace pick your pace find your lane and be driven towards it yeah and obviously just to drive the point home the worst thing you could ever do is borrow money to invest in something speculative so if you're using money that you don't have to try to get rich overnight that's where bankruptcy comes in. That's where you ruin families. That's where, you know, people, uh, depression. I mean, you, you just put yourself, you make yourself so vulnerable to so many bad things happening by doing that. So the first thing you want to do is make sure you have no bad debt, right? Before you invest in anything, you can't have credit card debt and try to get rich, you know, buying NFTs. Um, so you have to make sure that you're on solid financial ground. You invest in diversified portfolios and then you have your speculative piece, you know, where you, you go for home runs and you try to take chances on stuff, but never blow yourself up over uh you know trying to get rich overnight it's just going to keep you poor yep good talk rich so, all right man thanks for your one. time everybody take all care right. see you next one Bye.